You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 210 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I, I'm I'm excited, actually. I'm excited for our show. I'm excited uh, that training camp has opened. And uh, even I see as I look around that preseason, NHL preseason action is already starting. There's uh, the Leafs, the Senators uh, playing today. Um, we're, we're, we're in it already. Uh, summer's done. Uh, beginning of fall, um, first day of fall was this week, and uh, hockey's back for sure. Yeah, we're losing sunlight, we're losing all the warm weather, but you know what? At least we've got hockey to look forward to and uh, an excuse to stay inside, of course. For sure. But uh, like you said, a very big episode uh, today. We have plenty of stuff going on. Uh, here in the first segment, uh, we'll start you off by giving you an update on everything Habs that happened in the past week. Plus, we have a little update on Habs prospects and some audio from Habs players to get to at the end of the segment. In segment two, we have many, many, many questions uh, that uh, the Habs need to answer coming into this preseason and going into the season. Uh, we narrowed it down to the 10 ones that we think are the most important. And to end that segment, uh, we have a one-on-one -on -one exclusive interview with Owen Beck. Amy Johnson's going to be in on that one, so definitely stick around for that. And in segment three, it's the Have Your Say segment, our Canadians Connection question of the week. Who will back up Jake Allen this season? Caden Primo or Sam Montembeau? If people are uh, interested in uh, getting in and answering that question or just interacting with us in general, uh, what's the best way to do so, Rick? Well, as you're listening to the podcast, as as you're listening and, and thinking about uh, 
what's been said. Um, maybe it comes in the second segment when you're listening to the, the questions, the important questions, the pressing questions uh, that are facing the Canadians. You can text us at 5853ROCKET. That's the Rocket Sports text line, 5853ROCKET. Uh, if you have a little more to say, you can always send us an email at info at allhabs.net. And also be sure to follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, check out our website, CanadiansConnection.com. So to start, we did have a few scrimmages that uh, went on over the past week. Um, starting with uh, September the 23rd, we had uh, Team B versus Team A. We also had a Team C versus Team D, all inter-squad matches uh, within the Montreal Canadiens organization. Uh, the first game, uh, Team B wins one nothing over Team Red in the shootout. No scoring during that game. And then Team C versus Team D, that uh, was the exact opposite as uh, Team C comes away with a 5-1 to one victory. Yeah, not that um, these uh, these scrimmages mean a lot, but it's good to see uh, the the action beginning. Uh, good to see some of the the line combinations um, uh, out there. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that we we saw, um, you know, Claude Julien do, and it, it continued uh, with uh, Dom Ducharme, is that that they wanted to build chemistry early, and so they you know, considered line combinations in the off season, put them together. And then with, with very few tweaks, they, they kind of kept those, those players together, um, during the, the preseason, uh, and training camp. Um, you know, some of these lines that we've seen so far, I don't, well, we're just, they're not going to stay that way. Um, Yuri Slavkovsky has been playing with Owen Beck and Raphael Harvey Pinard. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen once the season begins. And um, Mike Hoffman and Cole Caulfield are centered by Philippe Machar. Um, unlikely. However, uh, Christian Dvorak uh, centering Brendan Gallagher and Evgeny Dadanov, that's, that's a possibility. That's, that's an intriguing uh, trio right there. And then when we look on the back end, um, Caden Gooley with David Savard, that looks like... Uh, uh, a preview of what we might see uh, on uh, the opening night uh, game. Um, Matheson, Mike Matheson with Justin Barron, maybe. Um, Arbor Jacki with Jordan Harris, I think that's unlikely. But as we saw in the rookie tournament, um, and again in these these uh, inter-squad scrimmages, uh, Jordan Harris has been playing on the right, and we know there's quite a need on the right side for the Canadians. Uh, but he has uh, uh, been playing on the right side. He uh, he said that uh, he spent a lot of time over the summer uh, doing reps, practicing uh, what it's like to pick the puck off uh, up off the boards, playing that side. So, um, is this an experiment that we could see in the regular season? Maybe it is. Yeah, certainly some potential. And uh, this morning, I will mention there was uh, another scrimmage that went down. Uh, Jordan Harris was playing uh, for Team C on this one. Uh, it was a uh, teammate coming away with that 5 2 uh, victory. Uh, this, this is a game that happened just before uh, we started recording. So I figured we should mention that one as well. And there's a game uh, underway now as we're recording. Um, and uh, but as I said, maybe maybe the um, the results aren't aren't uh, uh, 
very important. But as far as players that um, have stood out, at least stood out to me um, in the uh, in the first three scrimmages, um, I you know as we've said before, as we said in the rookie tournament, Yuri Slavkovsky comes as as advertised and um i th- i think what stood out a little bit m- more in these scrimmages is what a good playmaker he is um and um you know uh, the other thing is is uh, he certainly isn't afraid to go to into the middle of the ice go into traffic areas um but but the uh, some some nice passes to set up some goals uh, on the back end caden Gooley looks like an nhler he he looks very po- poised um and uh, and he's moved the puck well as um, in addition to uh, being solid in his own end. Um, and and Jordan Harris, um, he had a really strong uh, rookie uh, tournament, and he has just been great in these uh, in the scrimmages. Uh, his skating, he's smart, he's poised, his good positioning. Um, I, it was Marty St. Louis that said, you know, these guys, somebody's going to have to stand out amongst the young defensemen. And so far, it's it's really, really early. But so far, for me, it's been Jordan Harris. Yeah, good looks from uh, Yessa Ulunen as well, uh, picking up where he left off last season. Uh, I'll, I'm excited to see what he can do and uh, if he can push for a spot to, uh, in Montreal Canadiens roster for opening night. For sure. So in a few short weeks, we'll be able to check out comprehensive previews and post-game reviews for every Montreal Canadiens game at allhabs.net. Please make sure you also check out uh, Habs Notepad and Habs Headlines as posts appear regularly at allhabs.net as well. So there were some injuries to start this training camp. A lot of injuries, uh, kind of reminiscent of last year, if you remember that. I'll uh, go through and uh, list out some of them here. Uh, Josh Anderson, he is out day-to-day, upper body injury. Jake Evans, upper body injury, also day-to-day. Nick Suzuki is going to be out for two weeks with a lower body injury. And uh, Joel Edmondson, lower body injury, out indefinitely. And wow, after announcing the captains and the associate captains, what a huge loss in the leadership to start this season. Two of the three um, of the leadership group, the, the captain and alternate captains, out with injury. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's two weeks for Suzuki um, is is tough. But I think the, the one here is Joel Edmondson. Um, and uh, they're calling it lower body, but uh, it was Jeff Gordon um, who identified that this was indeed um, the injury that he dealt with uh, last year. Earlier in the week, uh, just before camp started, uh, Nick and, and Joel ran into each other just scrimmaging, so uh-huh. that's, the, that's what happened there. Um, but no, I'm not really concerned. Nick's fine. I saw him today. Uh, he'll be fine. I think uh, you know, two weeks would be probably the maximum um, based on talking to him. So I'm not too worried. He's in great shape. He looks good. Uh, he's been skating all summer, so that should be fine. On Joel, you know, it's a, a previous injury with his back, so uh, I know he feels better today than he did yesterday, so I, I, I'm hoping that's short-term as well. So, yeah, frustrated, you know, for the first couple of days of camp, but I think I think we'll overall we're, we're going to be fine. 
uh, Jeff Gordon being very open um, about uh, the injury situation, uh, talking about it being Edmondson's back. We remember back to last year's uh, training camp, and it was uh, any day Joel Edmondson is going to be back. Uh, he should be back for the next preseason game. He should be back. And, and it was, as we know, months and months later. Um, so that's difficult. And it's, it's hard to hear that uh, the two, the, 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 the more significant injuries, the one to Suzuki and the one to Edmondson, happened at, and the same incident running into each other uh, during a, a scrimmage. And that was, that was before training camp had even begun. Yeah, perhaps some bad luck on their end. Uh, you hope that both of them can get back as soon as possible, uh, especially you mentioned Joel Edmondson and uh, the fact that uh, there are some spots on available for uh, the taking on uh, Montreal's uh, defense right now. Uh, pretty big hole there. Uh, you hope that he can come back and uh, be able to contribute pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. So the Canadians training camp opened uh, with 74 players. It's a, it's a pretty big training camp uh, and uh, it's at uh, the Bell Sports Complex in Brassard. Um, most teams uh, who I've seen around the league probably have around like 50, maybe 60 if they want to push it uh, in terms of players showing up to their camps. Montreal went all in and said, let's go 74 players. Let's do it. Yeah, it's uh, certainly the biggest, the largest uh, training camp that um, that I can remember. Last year uh, was the first time that that uh, the Canadians moved uh, into that seventy number. Uh, it was seventy on the nose, um, um, seventy four this year. Um, Marty St. Louis said they wanted to bring along uh, extra players. Um, most of the players in uh, the organization. And remember, this excludes uh, any of their prospects that are playing in the NCAA. They're ineligible to attend uh, this kind of camp. Um, but they also added some some players on professional tryouts. Um, and, and he said that they brought such a, a, a large number of players uh, because of their extensive uh, preseason schedule and making sure that they have enough players uh, to uh, fulfill um, all of those preseason lineups. Uh, the, the, the downside of that, of course, is um, the more players, uh, the less attention um, for the, the individual players. Um, and, and whether that will, you know, whether that will be a problem or not, we, we don't know and we won't know until uh, the season starts. Well, I doubt all 74 players will be involved in this, but uh, tomorrow, Sunday, September the 25th, is the Canadians' annual red versus white intra-squad scrimmage. Uh, it's going to take place in the afternoon at the Bell Centre. I just took a look now, and there are still tickets available, uh, $10 each, uh, but uh, in the higher bowl. This is always a fun uh, game. Um, and, uh, and it's, you know, it's an inter-squad game, red versus white. You aren't going to be seeing Arbor Jacques laying anybody out, um, playing his physical game, or or we hope not. Um, but it's a three, uh, 3 PM puck drop and, and, uh, there'll be lots of kids in, in the bell center. Uh, just a really fun game. Uh, our own Chris G will be in the press box and uh, we'll be bringing you um, uh, the details on uh, uh, our our Twitter accounts and on Facebook. 
Looking forward to that and also looking forward to the Canadians eight game preseason. Uh, this begins on Monday versus the New Jersey Devils. There's a potential Slavkovsky versus Nemitz uh, matchup right there. Uh, I'm excited for this preseason to begin and uh, looking forward to see what all the Canadians prospects have in store. The last game of the rookie tournament was uh, the Canadians versus New Jersey, and and uh, we were looking forward to. Um, um, actually, that was the second game, but we were looking forward to that matchup of Slavkovsky versus Nemitz. It didn't happen there, uh, but maybe it happens uh, on Monday. Uh, of course, the the Canadians' uh, preseason schedule is augmented by uh, two craft uh, hockeyville games. And, uh, and those will be fun for the communities that are involved as well. Yeah, that makes it a bit of a longer preseason than uh, what we're used to. But you know what? I'm all for it right now. I'm excited to get hockey going. For sure. Uh, so now is time for our Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So the majority of the Montreal Canadiens prospects and uh, players who will eventually end up in Laval are currently at the Habs main camp. So there's not a ton of news, but we do have some news about uh, the Trois-Rivières Lions. Uh, they're preparing for their second season after a very, very successful first season, uh, which they got into the playoffs. Uh, the ECHL will get underway on October 21st in uh, Trois-Rivières. So looking forward to that. And uh, I know uh, Chris G always likes to talk about uh, the Lions a little bit in his Habs notepad. For sure. Um, and we, we heard from uh, general manager of, of the Lions, uh, Marc-Andre Bergeron, this week. Um, and, and he talked about how what, what kind of changes are going to happen uh, last year, their inaugural season. Uh, they've learned a lot um, and uh, they've, they've made some changes in their approach to, to this season. Uh, they went out early in the summer and, and signed um, 15 players, I believe it was, um, and um, for, their, for their roster. And of course, uh, they'll also be expecting some players once the Laval Rocket um, have their training camp, they'll be expecting uh, some of those players to come down and uh, fill out the rest of uh, their roster. Um, they're, they're looking at about six or seven uh, veterans to come back to their team. And um, in addition to their on-ice product, they're looking to beef up their, um, their, their off-ice product and uh, they're going to unveil their, their mascot uh, this year. Um, and uh, they hope to have a, a um, it was Mark Waitman, the, the Lions president, that said uh, that they're hoping to have a, uh, um, uh, an NFL-style tailgate party uh, for their that uh, game on the 21st. Uh, so it so, sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, great to have uh, the um, Canadians ECHL affiliate close by in Trois-Rivières. And, uh, and yes, as you said, uh, we'll have information as we go along. Um, you can check out uh, all the information about uh, the Trois-Rivières line in the uh, Habs notepad from Chris G. Well, you mentioned uh, they're unveiling a mascot I wonder if it's going to be a lion. So it's going to be my bold prediction. <laughs> That's your bold prediction? All right. All right. Yeah. 
But uh, those who uh, tuned into uh, last week's The Press Zone, uh, you got to hear an exclusive interview with Laval Rocket head coach J.F. Wool. Um, Hool is actually one of my favorite interviews to listen to, and uh, we have a little snippet of uh, J.F. Uh, talking about preparing for Laval Rocket training camp. I'm very excited to get started, and it's uh, what we're gonna. Our staff is here right now. We're gonna use these two weeks here before our training camp to evaluate the players and uh, see where they could fit in our roster. And then you know, when, once uh, Montreal can start cutting guys down, we're gonna head to to Laval and have our training camp. We're not gonna change very much. We we liked uh, we liked the way we did it last year. We we had uh, some success with it. We were happy with it uh, with our camp. We're, you know, it's it's. It's pretty much like two days of practice, and then it's uh, two days of scrimmage, and it's, it only lasts four days because then we have exhibition games. But it gives us an opportunity to see some of the ECHL players that we might need to call up during the season. It gives us a chance to try the different players in different positions. And we're going to have some tough tough decisions this year looking at the roster. It's going to be a jam at both forward and defenseman. It's a good thing to have some depth, <laughs> but uh, as a coach, it's um, sometimes it's uh, it's heart-wrenching to uh, to have to, to let some of these guys go, but um, you know, it's part of the business, and uh, you got to move forward. As you said, that that's an excerpt uh, that appeared on the Press Zone podcast earlier this week. Uh, check out the Press Zone podcast, the Press Zone uh, .fm, uh, and uh, it was a one-on-one uh, exclusive interview with J.F. Wool. Uh, Amy Johnson and I did that interview, and, and he was very open and, and forthcoming with uh, all of the answers, uh, all the questions that we asked him. Uh, we talked about the uh, trying to, to match uh, the, the system uh, and the, the meetings that um, he and his staff had with, uh, with the Canadians coaching staff. Um, we talked about the, the role that they're playing now in, um, in uh, training camp, uh, the main training camp. And then uh, you heard his answer to how he's preparing uh, for the Laval training camp. So there, there's lots to lots to listen to there, and we just thought we'd give you a little taste of it, uh, but go to thepresszone.fm to, uh, to hear the full interview. Yeah, be sure to read all the content available at ahl.report, and also listen and subscribe to the Press Zone wherever you get your podcasts. So we have some, well, we have many quotes for this week. Uh, to start off, uh, all uh, I'm sure every Habs fan loves Brad Marchand. He had a quote that uh, seemed to weirdly relate to uh, the recent announcement that Nick Suzuki is going to be the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we don't have the audio for it, but uh, I'll read it right here. He says, it's almost unfair to be giving these young kids the captaincy at 20, 21, 22, because they don't have any idea what it's like to be a real captain in the NHL. What do you think about this one, Rick? <laughs> um, does it have anything to do with Nick Suzuki? Of course, not 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 totally, but but in part, is it a shot across the bow? Absolutely. Is is Brad Marchant? Could he be stirring the pot already in training camp? Of course, he can. That's 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 his his that's his thing. Um, and uh, so, it, yeah, it's. Um, it's something we thought that that was important to to uh, relate to our listeners because uh, you may not have have run across it, but uh, good old Brad Marchand. I wonder if he'll have on ice. I wonder if he'll have a few words for Nick Suzuki when the two teams meet. 
<laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> but uh, we also got a quote uh, from a Montreal Canadian player and uh, David Savard. Uh, there was some French audio for this. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it wasn't asked in English. But uh, I'll uh, read out the translation for you. It uh, relates to uh, playing with Caden Gooley. So Caden uh, Gooley is even more poised with the puck than he was last year. He is an excellent skater. You can tell he's ready, that he's determined to stay here. I'm going to help him do that. He's very talented. He has a chance to stay here all year. I'm So I'm going to help him as much as I can to develop and become a better defenseman. So great quote from uh, David Savard. Uh, it's really nice to see that he's taking on, uh, I guess, that mentorship role, uh, stepping up uh, with a little bit of leadership. And uh, I think that David Savard is going to be very good for uh, Caden Gooley's development. Yeah, talk about an extended leadership group. David Savard is taking leadership and taking ownership of the the mentor role, as you said, with uh, respect to Caden Gooley. This is his personal project, uh, a huge endorsement uh, for for Caden Gooley. Uh, and he went on to say, uh, I want to play directly. I want to play with him. I want to play with Caden Gooley. Um, so they are paired as they were last year um, uh, during training camp. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is something that's going to, in, unless there's, uh, unless something goes wrong, I think this is going to happen. Uh, this might be one one uh, pairing that you can pencil in uh, for the opening night roster. We also got to hear from uh, Caden Gooley himself on uh, being paired again with David Savard. Yeah, no, he's always been a guy in the room that's kind of, um, you know, always took his time to uh, come on the ice with me. And um, I think it was probably I was here for a couple of weeks and I was just going on the ice by myself and, um he decided to come out with me um, so I didn't have to go on the ice by myself and do drills by myself. So he's always been there for me and um, kind of took me under his wing a little bit. So um, he's an awesome guy and awesome guy to play with. So. Uh, again, um, amazing that Caden uh, Gooley, um, he wants to, to put forth a good impression. So he gets to, to camp a couple weeks early. He goes out um, in Broussard and starts practicing, uh, David Savard gets wind of this and said, no, you're not going out by yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to do the drills with you. We're going to train together for the next couple of weeks until training camp starts. Um, really nice, really nice, uh, veteran move. Uh, and that, uh, that chemistry, that, that camaraderie that's developing between those two defensemen. Yeah, we always hear about the bromance between Suzuki and Caulfield, but how about the bromance between Gooley and Savard? I'm looking forward to uh, seeing these two together uh, all season. For sure. Uh, we also got to hear from another defenseman that uh, has an opportunity to make the team out of camp in uh, Jordan Harris. Uh, he talks about what Habs fans should think about their uh, young talent on defense. Again, I think Habs fans should be really excited because, you know, these kids are great kids and, and teammates and, and just the talent levels, you know, through the roof with the young defensemen that we have. So it's fun and, and hopefully we can all grow together, you know, through the organization. Um, that's that's Jordan Harris. Um, and this is his first camp and he's talking about the kids that, that uh, are there with him. Now, granted, he's he's a couple years older than Gooley and, and Justin Barron, but um, you know, he, he was a captain, um, at Northeastern and he's speaking like, uh, a leader, uh, already. Um, he's very smart. 
He's very mature. He's very poised, uh, both on and off the ice. And um, I, I really liked what what he had to say. That there's a ton of talent. Habs fans should be excited about that talent. And hopefully the group of them will stay together and grow and just get better uh, and improve um, over the, the next few years. Well, I mean, Jordan Harris does have 10 games uh, under his belt he in the does. NHL, so maybe he does see everyone else's children. We don't know. <laughs> and that's more than Barron, and that's obviously more than Ghoulies, So, Yeah, definitely. So uh, we also have uh, some hockey news uh, from around the league uh, to start, uh, we've uh, talked about some uh, previous athletic articles uh, on this podcast. Uh, we have another one uh, that we want to mention here. Uh, it's the Athletic uh, projecting that the Canadians will finish 31st overall in the NHL standings. So for those who were uh, contemplating a, a playoff spot, um, I, I don't know how many who, who listened to uh, this broadcast are expecting a, a play that the Canadians would uh, uh, make the playoffs uh, this year. It's it's not going to happen. Um, I know, never say never, right? But um, we've been talking about how the Canadians uh, they finished thirty second last year. Um, that um, that you know, it's looking like uh, projections are a bottom five finish this year. Um, and, and this is uh, the athletics projection is, um, is done using that game score model developed by Dom Lecician. Um, last year, the Canadians were 32nd, uh, they finished with 55 points. This model projects, uh, that they will have 74 points this year. So that's a 19 point, uh, increase. Unfortunately, that only gains them a spot from, uh, 32nd to 31st. Um, the, the athletic is projecting that, uh, the Arizona Coyotes will finish 32nd. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks will finish 30th. Um, I think, like, I think it's going to be hard to outdo the Blackhawks, uh, for, for the kind of disastrous season that I see coming, but, uh, maybe Arizona can do that in, in that small arena. Um, but you know, the Canadians are going to be in that likely in that bottom five mix, uh, but you say, hey, wait a minute, what about a full season of Marty St. Louis? Um, <laughs> yes, going to be better than, than Dom Ducharme, um, but as they point out in the article, that uh, the Canadians played at a 71-point uh, pace under Marty St. Louis, uh, so that's pretty close to their, their projected uh, points value of 74 points. Again, um, you know, we've heard uh, a number of players. We heard uh, Jeff Gordon say, uh, we hope to surprise people. We, we look to surprise people. What that means, uh, we don't know. Um, but um, this is what the athletics there. This is what the athletics numbers uh, suggest is going to happen. And, and uh, I, I'm interested to hear what our listeners have to say uh, about something like this and, and where they expect the Canadians to finish this season. Yeah, I'm just looking here. It looks like they've given Montreal a 1% chance to make the playoffs and a 0% chance at a Stanley Cup. So the Montreal's definitely coming into this season as underdogs. You maybe say there's that can a chance, a, though. <laughs> well, there's a chance. Well, maybe they can use this as uh, enough motivation to uh, work hard at work all the other teams. You never know, but uh, I think uh, the Athletic is definitely onto something here uh, with that 31st place finish. Possibly. So moving around the league a little bit, 
the biggest contract in NHL history and the highest played player in the NHL, Nathan McKinnon. He signs eight years, 100.8 million contract extension with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, I think a lot of people look at that and think, wow, is Nathan McKinnon really the greatest, like the best player in the league? Well, no, it's uh, Connor McDavid, but you know what? If you're a top three player, even a top uh, five player and you have a contract coming up you're automatically going to become the highest player in in the league most likely right <laughs> yeah for sure and and along with this eight uh, year contract there's um he goes into a, a modified no trade to a full no trade that begins immediately and um you know even at this um is nathan mckinnon um uh, is this a bargain i i think it probably is um what he his Nathan McKinnon as as a motivator uh, has value, uh, and then um, in addition to uh, what he does on the ice, um, well deserved I think for a Stanley Cup champion. And uh, the Colorado Avalanche did not end there. They have signed forward Alex Galchenyuk to a professional tryout contract. Um, we were talking a little bit beforehand, and it looked like Galchenyuk was getting some reps with Nathan McKinnon. Uh, in, in, uh, yes, in, in, uh, practice, uh, there Galchenyuk with McKinnon and our dear friend, Arturi Lekanen, uh, probably is not, that is not going to stay that way, but, uh, Lekanen and McKinnon played a lot together, uh, last year. Good for Alex Galchenyuk. Um, you know, he was, uh, he played in Arizona last year and, uh, and still has some value. Uh, for a team that's looking to add uh, some offensive firepower without having to put out a lot of money. And if uh, we want to head out of the mountains and down to Texas, the Dallas Stars have acquired defenseman Nils Lundqvist from the New York Rangers in exchange for a 2023 conditional first-round pick and a 2025 fourth-round pick. I think that's a pretty huge return for Nils Lundqvist, uh, but uh, you and I also were talking about this beforehand, and uh, maybe uh, the Kirby Doc price had uh, maybe set the standard for what it is for uh, top-end prospects. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, Kirby Doc wasn't playing uh, in Chicago, wasn't playing like a third overall pick. Uh, Nils Lundqvist hadn't been able to crack the lineup on a regular basis uh, in New York, but... Uh, what's the value of, of uh, a young uh, prospect, right-handed offensive defenseman? Uh, we mention him here because uh, we had talked about the Canadians possibly being interested in, in uh, acquiring him. Um, steep price? Yeah, it sure is. Um, but the you know we heard uh, Kent Hughes say that uh, the value of draft picks is less than the value of uh, young prospects because they're further along, um, and so uh, you know maybe this maybe this is makes sense uh, for both teams. Maybe this makes sense for Dallas, and maybe it makes sense for the New York Rangers. Trevor Timmons was hired as assistant director of amateur scouting by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we know Timmons was uh, linked to the Columbus Blue Jackets not too long ago, so no surprise that uh, he uh, was able to get a job within their organization. And uh, you know what? Congrats to Trevor Timmons. I think this is well-deserved. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we saw Trevor Timmons at the Columbus Development Camp. Uh, we know that um, both Trevor Timmons and Yarmo Kaikalaik and the, the general manager in Columbus worked together in um, – 
uh, Ottawa. There was always a strong connection there. Uh, lots of Canadians fans like to take cheap shots at Trevor Timmons. Uh, he was hamstrung by by much of, of uh, what happened with respect to Mark Bergevin or Jeff Molson. Uh, but when you look at, at uh, you know, a list of, of the, the draft picks, the the, the players that he was involved in with uh, Carey Price and Max Pacioretty and Ryan McDonough and um, uh, Mikhail Sergachev and P.K. Subban, Cole Caulfield, Alexander Romanov, um, Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, Matthias Norlander, Arturi Lekkanen. We've mentioned a lot of these guys uh, already. Um, it's, it's not a bad grouping just because they're, you know, many, some of those players are no longer with the, uh, the Canadians, not his fault. Um, you know, he made the right, uh, choice as far as the, the draft pick. Uh, but, um, yeah, in, in, in a lot of cases they, they were moved and and you look at someone like Pacioretty that, uh, delivered, uh, to the Canadians, uh, Nick Suzuki. So in effect that, that, that was part of, of uh, Trevor Timmons doing a good job uh, in that respect. So three defensemen who I grew up watching retired this past week, and uh, Keith Yandel, Zdeno Chera, and P.K. Subban. Uh, Great careers for all of these defensemen. All of them were very popular guys within uh, all the organizations they played with. Uh, Zdeno Chera, probably a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame. Absolutely incredible uh, what he did over the course of his career. And then uh, P.K. Subban, obviously a former Hab, uh, still a very popular guy in Montreal, uh, looks like he'll be pursuing things outside of hockey. Um, in the media, and, and you might expect uh, that that uh, PK Subban would be involved in that. Um, he was he was absolutely a very popular figure um, in Montreal, um, and and you know I, I, it's obvious that that his best days were were in uh, Montreal. Um, but this was also with Mark Bergevin, the trade that he made. Uh, it was clearly Mark Bergevin's best trade to trade P.K. Subban for Shea Weber. It was what the organization needed in terms of the, both the on-ice product and the leadership that uh, Shea Weber uh, was able to deliver. Um, you know, many people th- expected that the Canadians would win that trade short term, uh, and, but they would not long term because uh, P.K. Subban would have a, you know, a longer career, a longer future. Uh, but uh, that it didn't play out that way. Um, but while he was in Montreal, he, you know, the charisma, the, the, the energy, um, the excitement on the ice, um, he, he was just um, he and 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 yes there was there was issues with that issues with his teammate issues with the fact that he he was devoted to to himself to his brand to the name on the back of the jersey rather than the name on the front or rather than the crest on the front um pursuing his personal goals um but there is a legacy of of his commitment not his personal donation but but uh, his commitment to raising money for uh, the children's hospital and and that's absolutely commendable as well so i think uh, now is a good time to take our uh, first break on uh, the canadians connection podcast uh, we will get to hear a, a newer message from our sponsors at DraftKings. Uh, you'll want to definitely listen to that one. And then in segment two, uh, it's our big topic segment. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. 
The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Make sure to give him a follow at All Habs on Twitter. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, visit the website CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder here to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player on your favorite podcasting app. And if you like what you hear today, make sure uh, to share on social media and uh, let us know what you think. So like I said, this is our uh, big topic segment, and we have many, many pressing questions heading into this season. And um, yeah, these are... There's lots of questions. There's there's lots of questions that need to be answered uh, by the organization. Um, you know, and I've seen I've seen people out there say, um, "Oh, it's you know, will Yuri Slavkovsky uh, start uh, uh, in the opening rounds?" And and sure, I guess that's a question. Um, I think lots of things would have to go wrong. Uh, for Slavkovsky not to be in the opening night roster, it's kind of a um, you know, it, it's 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 a, a simple question. Yes, uh, there's that tradition there uh, that the first overall pick typically starts um, in in the NHL. Uh, there's the fact that the whole controversy with Shane Wright. So the so you know Kent Hughes wouldn't look very good if if Slavkovsky didn't start in the the NHL and and let's say Wright did. Um, so you know we're not going to. We're, we're not going to do those layups. We're going to talk about the most pressing questions, uh, the deeper questions, questions that the, the Canadians are going to have to answer uh, by the start of the season or uh, will uh, unfold uh, as the season moves on. And just to give you some context, we, I should say that we do this every year uh, on the Canadians Connection. Uh, we've been doing it every year that, that we've been on the air. Uh, coming up with these questions. Some of the questions come from you, the listeners, when you when you contact us at 5853Rocket. Um, but just for context, I went back to uh, the September 2019 edition of the Canadians Connection, and then we were asked, we were looking at, at uh, pressing questions um, 
the most pressing questions about the Canadians for the 2019-20 season. And one of them was, can the Montreal Canadiens rely on Keith Kincaid for 20 to 25 quality starts? Um, no, they couldn't, as it turned out <laughs> that year. Um, and another question that we look in the list, what will a one left D by committee look like? We remember um, that uh, that that Mark Bergevin and, and Claude Julien said, said that uh, beside Shea Weber, they would have a committee approach to filling uh, that position. One of the possibilities was Victor Mata. Um, but... Yeah, did that all work out so well? But no, it was a it was a, it was a pressing question back in 2019. But we're going to focus on the ones for this season. Yeah, obviously a very different situation coming into this season. Uh, Montreal not likely making the playoffs. Uh, hopefully, fans will be able to temper some expectations and uh, look for positives, especially within player development. Uh, as we head into the training camp there well we uh, narrowed it down to what we think are the 10 most pressing questions about the montreal canadians for uh 2022-2023 i'll start things off and uh this one is uh can kirby doc fulfill the expectations of a third overall pick and become the team's second line center uh, Kirby Dog was acquired for a pretty hefty price uh, at the draft. Um, he's not being brought in to play on the wing, although I know some people have suggested that's a possibility so that he can get into the top six. No, Kirby Dog was brought here to be a center. I, I think he was brought here to be a second line center minimum. That's what you hope for. And uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Rick? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. and 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 we we talked about that uh, prior to the show. Um, it, it is it was a large price to pay for Kirby Doc, um, and uh, they you know the Canadians feel that he underachieved in um, in Chicago. He didn't live up to his um, his billing uh, as the third overall pick. Um, and and maybe third overall picks become the first line center, but that that job seems to be locked up by Nick Suzuki. Um, so at the very least, he should be seen as uh, the second line center or one A one B sort of um, uh, approach. Um, yeah, d- d- should he be you know because of his lack of playoff proficiency, should he de- be deployed on the wing? Well, no, I think the Canadians. They have a they have a a lot of uh, other wingers, um, and it would be a a failure uh, if um, if he didn't uh, become uh, the second line center. Are we saying that he should start the season at second line center? No, I think that uh, Christian Dvorak and Sean Monahan will have something to say about that. Um, and maybe that competition is is good to push Kirby Doc, and maybe you know with those two uh, veterans, it also helps insulate him a little bit so that he can um, you know uh, gradually ramp up and 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 get to that uh, get to that second line spot at some point. Um, and and you know I think I think everybody is is uh, cheering for Kirby Doc and and wants to see him succeed and he's got uh, the best opportunity he'll ever have to reach his potential. Yeah, the spot is wide open for him. It's practically going to be gifted to him at at some point, so he'll definitely receive the opportunity. It's can he find some consistency? Can he stay healthy? And can he handle those minutes and going up against what could be uh, some of the better lines on other teams as well? 
for sure. And and we've we saw him do that in Chicago. Go be the guy that goes up against the better lines. Uh, defensively, he's been pretty good. Um, it, just lacking on faceoffs and certainly lacking uh, on the offensive side. He sure, as a skilled player, he should be capable of a lot more offense. So uh, heading over to question number two, and uh, this one involves another player that was acquired over the offseason. Is Mike Matheson capable of con- capable of consistently playing 22 minutes a night? Uh, Matheson obviously was the piece brought back in the Jeff Petrie trade. Uh, P- Jeff Petrie was a good puck moving defenseman, a guy who could handle those 20 plus minute nights. And, uh, you know, you're looking at the situation now with Edmondson being injured. Uh, looks like Matheson's going to have to probably play those 22 minutes at least, um, because he's one of the few veterans they have left on the back end. Is he going to be able to handle that role and will he succeed at it? It's, uh, it, it's a challenge uh, for Mike Matheson. Uh, Mike Matheson has last year played about 18 and a half minutes on average uh, per night. Why are we saying 22 minutes? Well, that's what Jeff Petrie averaged last season. Uh, so that has to be replaced. Uh, that, that already had to be replaced. Uh, and that was even before the uh, Joel Edmondson um, injury. Um and and um, uh, we have news uh, that, that came out uh, this afternoon uh, from the Canadians saying that uh, there's a sense that Joel Edmondson, uh, he's listed out indefinitely uh, with that back injury, but is progressing well and might not be sidelined uh, as long as, well, certainly not as long as, as last year. Uh, so that's good news. Uh, but it still puts a burden on Mike Matheson. And uh, he was asked about it, and he, he said that um, he thinks that uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of, of players will be asked to assume different roles than they've had in the past. He thinks he's one of them. And he, he said, uh, he's, he's, uh, capable and, and willing to, to take on a greater role, uh, than he had in Pittsburgh. And, uh, speaking of defensemen, um, our next question is of Caden Gooley, Justin Barron and Jordan Harris, who makes the opening night roster? Now, right now, depending on uh, how uh, Edmondson is, there could actually be three available spots on that back end. So there's an opportunity that all three could be there. But do they really want to have three rookie defensemen uh, on their opening night roster like that? Uh, I'm not sure. You have to look uh, a little bit outside of them. You see uh, Madison Bowie, who was brought in to be depth. Uh, Schooneman got into the NHL a little bit last year, and he looked uh, pretty decent. Uh, you still have to figure out what's going on with a Norlander. Um, so out of those uh, three, uh, how many do you think will actually be on that opening night roster? You know, it, it, uh, many Habs fans, they want to see this youth movement. They want to see the young prospects uh, play. Kent Hughes, uh, in all of the, the press availabilities in the summer and, and leading up to the training camp, uh, he, he seemed reluctant uh, to have all three in there. Um, but as you look in training camp, um, Caden Gooley, I think, you know, he's almost a lock. He's certainly uh, above the other two in terms of, of where the Canadians see him. And, and we heard the, the positive things said by David Savard. 
Justin Barron, um, they're, they're expecting a lot out of him um, and acquired uh, for Arturi Lekkanen. Uh, he's just 20 years old, uh, but a first-round pick by Colorado, 25th overall. And, uh, and he only has seven games of experience in the NHL. Uh, but he's he's looked quite comfortable in in the preseason. Maybe he hasn't stood out as much as Jordan Harris, uh, but I think that that uh, the Canadians would like to have him in the lineup, and and certainly, um, you know, because of, with him being paired with Mike Matheson um, in the preseason, you might expect that that they they would like him in the opening night roster. So that leaves Jordan Harris. Um, and how can you keep him out? He's been terrific uh, in the preseason. Um, and, and um, you know, with Marty St. Louis saying someone's going to have to stand out, uh, Jordan Harris has answered that. He's made this decision very difficult for the Canadians. If they're not wanting to have all three of those guys in there, uh, Jordan Harris said, I'm going to make the, you know, I'm going to make this tough on you and has done everything so far in the preseason to prove that he belongs. I guess if I can follow up that question just a little bit, do you think that uh, Montreal it's to their detriment to have so many young D on that blue line. Um, do you think that uh, they might want to insulate them at all? Or do you think they'd be okay with going with the, that full on youth movement? I don't think they want to at all. No, I don't. Um, I, you know, they, they do want to protect uh, these young players because it's one thing to have a good performance, but to have it night after night after night uh, against very good teams against top forwards, um, you don't want them to be in a situation where, um, they're going to feel overwhelmed, uh, that they're going to feel like they're drowning. Um, and so Kent Hughes promised that there would be a regular rotation, uh, of the young defenseman, uh, to Lavelle. Um, but you know, um, Again, uh, he, they also, uh, Marty said, make it difficult. And, and those three are making it difficult uh, for them to choose anything else. So, um, you know, all else being equal, uh, does Kent Hughes want uh, um, three uh, young defensemen like that in his lineup? No, absolutely not. But, um, you know, the decision may be taken out of his hands. So we'll uh, get back to defensemen momentarily, but just before that, what I want to ask is who is going to be the backup for uh, Jake Allen this season? Is it going to be Caden Primo or is it going to be Sam Montembeau? Uh, Both are on one-way contracts out of the two. Primo is the only one that's waiver exempt. Uh, Do you see a scenario in which uh, Primo could potentially beat out a Montembeau and despite being waiver exempt, actually stay up uh, with the NHL club? I think this one's wide open. I I really do. I I really think that uh, the competition is set in, in, uh, in camp uh, in the preseason games and that, um, yes, of course, it's easier, uh, much easier to, to, to send Caden Primo to Laval. But I think they want to give him a fair shot. And, and uh, certainly the contract that they gave him, the one-way uh, contract, uh, kind of speaks to that. Um, for Caden Primo, you know, it was, um, it was a few weeks ago on the press zone. Um, I said that uh, when, whenever, 
you know, absolutely, it would have been better uh, for his development path for K- for um, Caden Primo to spend uh, the entire season in Laval. Uh, there's no question. Getting two thirds of the starts, um, let's you know, seeing if he could dominate at that level, uh, getting his confidence up. He, the Canadians don't have that luxury, uh, unfortunately. So. Um, I said a few weeks ago, whenever Caden Primo gets called up, he has to perform. There's no more excuses about him not being ready. Um, he wants to. He said he wants to be an NHL goaltender. It's time for him uh, to put up. And interestingly enough, if you go back and listen to um, Jeff Ool's, uh, uh full interview that we had with him on the press zone, uh, Jeff Wool says something very similar that uh, that Caden Primo, when he's called up to the NHL, he must perform, and uh, it, it's 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 really left in his hands. If he can do that, uh, then I think um, he'll win out the he'll win out the opportunity uh, either at the start of the season or sometime during the year. So going back to defensemen. Will Kent Hughes add another right-handed defenseman before the start of the season? Uh, a couple days ago, I suggested maybe uh, they could use a veteran defenseman, a right-shot guy like uh, Anton Strahlman, who was available in free agency. Uh, Boston went ahead and uh, signed him to a PTO. It doesn't completely rule out the possibility of him going to Montreal, but uh, makes it definitely unlikely. Um Looking at who's available in free agency, not a ton there. Kent Hughes would likely have to look at, at the trade market. I don't know if that's something that they're going to be willing to do, but uh, you did mention that uh, Kent Hughes is a little bit resistant to uh, going into this season having such a young blue line. Uh, he's he's still strapped by the fact that the Canadians are right up against the cap. Um, so... Uh, if they go out and um, and add a defenseman, a right-handed defenseman, and um, and Kent Hughes has said he wants to do that, he's probably going to rely on the waiver wire, and he's going to rely on the fact that other teams are equally cash-strapped, uh, and will have to make some tough decisions uh, when they're putting together their opening night roster. And that the Canadians, who have top priority um, in, on the waiver wire, will be able to pluck whoever they wish um, and and uh, use the waiver wire to add somebody uh, on the right side. Um, they have. They can also look internally. Uh, Madison Bowie, who we've talked about, um, you know, has experience. Uh, Otto Leskinen has experience. Corey Schooneman, uh, a little bit less, but but also has experience uh, and could play on that right side. But I think they want to uh, bolster their depth, and and uh, you might see the Canadians dip into the waiver wire uh, for a right-handed uh, defenseman, veteran defenseman. Yeah, they were pretty active on the waiver wire last season. I think they got Montembeau, Pitlick, and Kale Clegg off of that. So I look forward to seeing what they'll do uh, this season. And uh, keeping on topic with uh, Kent Hughes, who was the first NHL forward traded or put on waivers by Kent Hughes? Uh, there are a number of options, uh, coincidentally. Uh, you know, you, you think maybe a Mike Hoffman, maybe a Dvorak Anderson's been kind of rumored to be traded. Uh, Dadinov's another guy who was brought in who you'd expect them to flip out. Same with Monaghan. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? 
Well, um, yeah, if, if, um, if we wait till the trade deadline, if Ken Hughes waits till that trade deadline, there's going to be all kinds of possibilities. And, and uh, the players that you mentioned, um, you know, are certainly uh, top of the list. And, and Ken Hughes, uh, I think the expectation is uh, that he has a real opportunity here uh, at the trade deadline to win the trade deadline by, by shipping out a, a number of contracts uh, and players that would be useful or, or desirable uh, by teams who are going to the playoffs. Um, but if um, at the start of the season, um, Ken Hughes is looking to uh, provide more flexibility, more cap flexibility, um, is there a chance that he trades a Mike Hoffman? I, you know, I've said it before. I said it several times on the podcast. I just don't see a, a natural fit. Uh, for Mike Hoffman in this lineup uh, anymore, and and um, and the the Canadians do have too many forwards. Um, you know, would they would they try to trade him? Sure, I think they've been already trying to trade uh, him. Um, but would they place a, a a player like Mike Mike Hoffman, an NHL contract with term on waivers? Um, it's funny because uh, Jeff Gordon was asked that this past week, uh, and he said, "Well, we'd try to trade first, but uh, we're not opposed uh, to putting a, a, an NHL pl- a, play- a player with an NHL contract on waivers." Which I thought was interesting that they're looking at all possibilities uh, as uh, we approach the start of the season. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I doubt that uh, before the start of the season that uh, Montreal would be able to find someone to trade with, uh, not unless a team is absolutely desperate or they have an injury that they desperately want to fill right away. Uh, the waiver wire is definitely going to be interesting too. Um, and you have to think, okay, how many times does it happen where somebody with term actually gets picked off of picked up off of those waivers so we'll have to wait and see what they decide to do there definitely uh which recalled player from laval will have an extended stay with the big club um there are a number of options with this Uh, i'm assuming this uh, goes for well into season when they can actually recall from laval or potentially just right out of training camp if they decide they want to keep somebody around a little bit longer um you know Montreal loves Caden Primo, as they've shown, and the, they're not going to hesitate to give him a look in the NHL. So I wonder if he's going to get that chance, too. Uh, we mentioned guys like Schooneman, uh, Bowie, maybe uh, Barron or Harris, if they end up in that criteria. It, it's going to be interesting. Um and yes, this is this. These are the most pressing questions. This is the the eighth most pressing question in our mind. Is once uh, the season gets going, uh, when they make a recall, um, is there an opportunity for someone to stick? Um, you know, does Madison Bowie show enough? Uh, and given his NHL experience, uh, is he able to fill um, maybe the the bottom pairing on that right right side? Um, or you know, we hear. Uh, a lot, uh, a lot of of uh, attention being paid to Arbor Jackai, and and uh, I think the expectation is that Jackai will begin um, the, the season in in Laval. Uh, but will there come a time when that his physicality is is needed or desired um, on the back end, and and will he come up for an extended stay? Uh, I expect to see him uh, with the Canadians uh, at some point during the season, whether he'll stay or not. Uh, that's uh, that's an open question. 
One of the things that uh, Jeff Molson has mentioned that he's committed to doing is building their medical team. So will the Canadians be less impacted by injuries than last season? Uh, so far, not so much. Uh, coming into training camp with injuries to uh, Anderson, Evans, Suzuki, Edmondson, a, a lot of their leaders. Do you think that this could change throughout the season? Well, this is something that, yes, uh, back in his uh, press conference uh, last November, uh, when he announced all the changes uh, to the hockey operations department, um, he talked about wanting to improve uh, both the physical and mental health of, of uh, his players and building a, a medical team to, to make that happen. We, we haven't seen uh, a lot of that happen, but obviously the, the Canadians uh, were in tough last year, 731 man games lost in uh, the 2021-2022 season. That was most in the NHL. Uh, so there's a real need to, to, to make, a, uh, uh, make to improve on that number. And uh, um, as you said, uh, the, the start, you, me- you mentioned um, Anderson and Evans and Suzuki and Edmondson, but also there's Carey Price and, and Paul Byron. And, and uh, we know that Monaghan and, and Druan are, are, um, have been in scrimmages, uh, but they're also players who are coming off the IR. So um, can uh, Jeff Molson um, you know, reach that commitment, uh, that goal to uh, improve that number and, uh, and put together a better medical team than the Canadians have had in the past? Yeah, you certainly hope so, and it's uh, definitely an interesting to look at. Uh, I wonder if there will be some good preventative measures uh, made by this. Uh, next question here uh, relates to Martin St. Louis. What kind of coach will Martin St. Louis become? Uh, this is going to be his first full season. Um, I hope he spent the summer looking at tapes and uh maybe consulting some other coaches on how to do uh, a head coaching job. Um How's he going to handle those difficult questions? Uh, I'm curious. This one, uh, this is this is a pretty big deal. Martin is the head coach. He just signed. I don't think they're getting rid of him. So what kind of coach is he going to become? We don't know. Um, we really don't know. And, and in um, the, the show that we did, um, after the exit interviews and, and we talked about the summer and, and about some players needing to take some time off, Brendan Gallagher needing to repair his body. We said uh, that we hoped that Marty St. Louis didn't take a day off in uh, the entire summer. Uh, maybe unrealistic, but but wanted to emphasize the point uh, that he really needed to get up to speed. And obviously, with zero uh, coaching experience at any level, um, that that he needed to to um, bring himself um, up to up to snuff and and um, yes um, Marty St. Louis he's been talked about as as motivational as inspirational he gave a speech on I think it was Wednesday night to all the players that was you know players just walked away from that saying wow um, we want to go to war for this guy and and you know, those are his strengths, but also, 
um, it's incumbent upon him to get to know with a, a, a group of, of players so young, it was incumbent over uh, on him over the summer to get to know those players. It's disappointing to hear him say, um, Caden Gooley, I don't, I don't really know Caden Gooley. I'll, I'll get to know him as the season goes along. Oh, oh I didn't know that, that Gooley and, and Savard were paired together at last uh, year's training camp. Expected more out of Marty St. Louis uh, to, to do his homework over the summer. Um, one of the things he's talked about is being a, a very modern coach and being, bringing a modern uh, approach. And certainly Adam Nicholas and taking over uh, a lot of the drills in training camp um, are evidence of that. And, 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 and he should be commended for that. However, um, there's also a lot of evidence that, um, you know, he is, he is coaching like he was coached. Uh, and that's a, that's a old school. Uh, and, and because he's not been part of the coaching fraternity, um, that he hasn't, hasn't kept up with the newer methods. And so he's coaching a lot like, um, his, his mentor and John Tortorella, um, and Thursday's uh, first on-ice session was just brutal uh, in terms of, of the drills and um, how hard he pushed the, the players. And, um, of course, the same thing was going on in Philadelphia uh, under John Tortorella, interestingly enough. Uh, but it was the first time, um, I think, since he's taken the position that the mainstream media has has criticized uh, Marty St. Louis uh, and talked about how difficult that practice was, especially for the first time the group was on the ice and, and uh, the risk of injury um, and, and going back to that man games number from, from last year. Um, and working for the media now is Stefan Waite, uh, former Canadians uh, goaltender coach. Um, and he said, you know, he understands why Marty would come out as an inexperienced coach. He understands why Marty would come out and, and, and have that approach in the first practice to establish his authority immediately, uh, instill the tone, make sure that, that players know, um, that, uh, they're going to have to work hard this season. However, the risk of injury, uh, especially groin injuries and those kinds of things, um, yeah, it was it was not a modern uh, approach that was used on Thursday. So, um, again, I t- we don't have an answer to the question um, what kind of coach he's going to turn out to be, but we'll have a full season to uh, figure it all out. Well, I hope he goes back to being the fun coach. If that's <laughs> how it's going to be handled. <laughs> And uh, lastly, uh, can the Canadians stick to the plan of development for the entire season? Um, this Can this organization be patient? Can the fan base be patient? Uh, you look down at uh, Laval. Most teams like to use their AHL affiliates uh, for developing young players. Uh, over the offseason, uh, they went out and brought in a lot of AHL veterans. I'm not sure how many spots are going to be available for some of their prospects to uh, develop in the AHL. Um, I also mentioned that uh, this fan base and the organization at times have been proven to be unpatient. Um, are they going to be able to deal with another season where they're potentially finishing right at the bottom of the league? And another thing too is, will young players have an opportunity but also be sheltered and not blocked. That's something that I think is pretty important for development. 
that's a good point that that development includes that transition to to the NHL includes making sure that there are spots available for for young players and that they aren't blocked by players who um, you know maybe aren't going to be part of the future um, with the Canadians uh, but have an established relation relationship already with the coach. Um, it's going to be interesting there, you know, we've, we've heard Kent Hughes, we've heard Marty St. Louis, um, say that this is going to be a season devoted to development. We even heard Stefan Robida when he was, uh, hired in, in his media availability, say Marty told him that, uh, we will be valuing intentions, not results. And, and that was something that you don't normally hear, uh, from an NHL coach that, uh, they were going to sacrifice, uh, wins for development. Um, but you know, there's cracks that have been starting to appear in that philosophy. One of them was last week and we talked about it. Joel Edmondson saying the rebuild's over. We're going for a playoff spot. You know, you under, you might understand why a player said that says things like that. But, uh, if you listen to that interview and I keep mentioning it because I think it's an important one, uh, the JF Wool interview on the press zone, Jeff Wool said, um, we'll develop players in a winning environment, which means, uh, and that's kind of a catchphrase, uh, that we're focused on winning here in Laval. Um, that's a, that's a little bit different. Uh, he also talked about, uh, we're going to, we're going to, uh, do our development in practice. Um, so, uh, does that give, um, prospects the opportunities to make mistakes in games and then be sent right back out there? Uh, you, you'll want to listen to that, um, that whole interview, but again, it reinforces the point that for effective development, everybody in the organization has to be patient. And that includes the fans, as you said, uh, to, to be, 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 uh, focused on development and be uh, tolerant enough uh, to let that development process play out. You know what? I've had so much fun doing these questions. That was I think 10, we're gonna wasn't have to throw in, yeah, I think that was 10. I'm going to throw in a bonus one. All right. We'll make it a nice round 11. Uh, which Canadians prospect in the CHL or NCAA will have the biggest impact for their team this season? Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw out mine. I've been impressed with uh, Philippe Michard so far, so I think he's going to have a great season with uh, Kitchener. I'm very excited to watch him there. And I think I'm going to go a little bit off the board uh, and go with uh, Vincennes Rohrer, who was just drafted uh, in one of the later rounds this past draft. He's playing with the 67s, and uh, you know what? I listened to uh, 67s coach Dave Cameron talk a little bit about this guy. And uh, he had a lot of really good things to say about him, saying that he's reliable, he's a quick learner, he's the type of guy that you don't have to teach him anything twice. And so I've liked what I've heard from that. I think he's going to have a really big role on that team. I think that's the exciting thing about a team with a good prospect pool, a good prospect pipeline. Um, it gets fans interested in um, in teams in leagues beyond the NHL, beyond the AHL. Um, Philippe Machar has been very good in, in, uh, in camp. We should say that we don't yet know if he's going to the OHL or the AHL, uh, where he'll be going, but if he goes to, to Kitchener, that he'll, that'll be a team to watch. 
Um, there's two uh, uh, players that uh, I'll be watching who play in the NCAA. That's Lane Hudson, um, and and uh, a re- was drafted uh, this year. And there's a lot of excitement about him. Also, Sean Farrell. Um, he should be potting a few goals in the NCAA. Um, the other player that has made a, a, a mark in rookie camp and then again in, in the training camp and will be heading to the Mississauga Steelheads, and that's uh, Owen Beck. I'm going to be keeping an eye on him. Yeah, and you know what? That ties in really nicely. Uh, Amy Johnson is currently sitting in the studio for a one-on-one exclusive interview uh, with Canadians prospect Owen Beck. So uh, let's send it off to Amy Johnson. Owen, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. My name is uh, Amy Johnson. Glad to get to speak with you today. Thanks for having me. Really glad, Owen, to to have a chance to talk to you. Uh, I know you just finished up practice here on the Saturday, but can you just, uh, you know, the the tournament's not quite over yet, but can you describe a little bit what your what your expectations were going into this week versus what you've experienced so far? Um, yeah, I mean, coming into the tournament, I was kind of just hoping to do, you know, what I'm known to do um, in terms of playing a solid 200-foot game, you know, winning face-offs, uh, and just providing for my team all over the ice. And, um, you know, I <clears throat> I had no idea, um, you know, how I was going to be able to do that, what my role is going to be. But, um, you know, as the tournament's progressed, you know, I've got a feel of that. Um, and, you know, I think I've exceeded my expectations a little bit. I think, uh, you know, I think I've played um, two solid games so far and uh, looking to play a third, uh, uh, a third solid game tomorrow. A goal a game uh, isn't too shabby so far. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I wanted to uh, kind of show that I have that offensive upside to my game. And, uh, you know, I think I've done that so far. Uh, it's uh, no secret that you've uh, got plen- plenty of uh, a cheering section, lots of family there at the tournament. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. You grew up as a Leafs fan, correct? Um, I've kind of bounced around, uh, you know, who my favorite team was like when I was really young, my brother's favorite team was uh, Washington. So I kind of followed in his footsteps and uh, watched Ovechkin a lot. Um, And then actually right after that, I wanted to have my own favorite team when I uh, grew up a little bit. I I want to have my own favorite team. And I uh, actually chose the Canadians and uh, started uh, watching the Habs a lot. Um, And then when McDavid joined the league, I kind of switched over to Edmonton. And then uh, a while after that, it was Toronto, but, um, yeah, I've, uh, I wasn't always a Leafs fan. Um, you know, uh, at some point uh, I was a Habs fan and, uh, obviously now I'm uh, a Habs fan once again. So that worked out. Okay. So you're, you're a fan of the game period. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. Um, how, how important has it been and, and remarkable has it been for you to have such a, such a large family support system right there at the tournament in Buffalo with you this week? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, um, you know, have this tournament close enough to home where my family could come and watch me. And, um, you know, it's a great feeling being able to uh, see them up in the stands and, um, you know, have them really express uh, their support to me after before every game, after every game um, and even during every game. Um, yeah, it's, it's been great. It's uh, it's an awesome feeling, you know, uh, knowing that they're here live and uh, getting to see us. It's it's been fascinating just to watch uh, the progression for you ever since the draft uh, earlier this summer, um, you know, and, and there's 
a whole summer of firsts for you, right? Now that now that the Canadians drafted you, there's there's uh, things kind of are, are a bit of a whirlwind, I would imagine, in those first couple of months after you've been drafted. Um, I'd, I'd like your your reaction on, you know, when you when you think back to being selected by the Montreal Canadiens, what the draft weekend experience was like for you and now just getting your mindset focused on being a Habs prospect when you when you see things like and, and I'm not sure if you've watched the Canadians uh, behind the scenes uh, video that they had put out uh, behind the scenes of the draft type of thing, but we got to see a pic peek at you know the scouting and and the the discussions that took place and Matt Turek who is the Canadians Ontario scout had said in that video I love Beck and I would pound the table for him at 26 which is that second first round pick that the Canadians had when you hear things like that scouts saying things like that and knowing that the Canadians really wanted you what does that do for you and your confidence and your mindset going forward with this franchise yeah I mean I'd say it it uh, it shoots my confidence through the roof, and uh, you know really backs up the trust that uh, I feel they have for me. Um, you know, coming out of the uh, combine weekend, and um, you know, kind of that um, that behind the scenes video, like how it, how a lot of it surrounded the combine. Uh, I came out of there not too sure about my meeting with the Habs, but um, you know, obviously after they picked me, and uh, especially after I saw that video, um, you know, I knew. I knew their, their confidence in me was high and, uh, you know, they really liked me as a player and that just, you know, that just solidifies the, uh, the confidence that I have as, uh, in myself as a player. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a really great feeling, uh, seeing stuff like that. One thing that was clear in, in any of those, uh, clips that we got to see of your interview process with the Canadians and even in your press press appearances, uh, since then is that you come across exceptionally well-spoken, poised, mature, uh, mature beyond your years at at your age. Where where do those characteristics for you come from? Is that is that support and teaching from your family? Uh, is that mentors through hockey? Is it something through your education? Where does where do those characteristics come from for you? Um, yeah, I definitely say it's a it's a big combination of all three. Um, you know, I would give a lot of credit to my uh, my family and my upbringing uh, for that kind of um, maturity and uh, and well spokenness. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, my mentors in hockey definitely uh, help with the poise and uh, concentration, determination and, um, you know, the uh, kind of the direction that I'm trying to take uh, within the game. Um, I, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a combination of everything. And, um, you know, it's obviously something that I've worked towards and, um, you know, taking everything seriously and, uh, and trying to um, be, be the best that I can in everything I do. Well, you certainly do that uh, on the ice. Uh, quite a quite a season that you had with Mississauga last year, but also scholastically, uh, your curriculum last year was was not an easy one. It was challenging, and despite that, and despite the numbers you were putting up with the Steelheads, uh, still Bobby Smith Trophy winner for OHL Scholastic Player of the Year, as well as CHL Scholastic Player of the Year. I mean, congratulations to you on that, first of all. But you've you've made statements uh, in the past, kind of kind of along the lines of, you know, school smarts really translates over to what you're doing in hockey as well. And, and can you explain a bit of that mindset about, you know, A, where do you get the work ethic and the time management skills to be able to, to succeed so highly in both your education and hockey, but also how does what you do in your education affect what you do in terms of your hockey career? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think the time management skills just comes back to uh, my upbringing and you know my parents and everything. Uh, uh, once again, um, you know, I think uh, they were the ones that stressed on me a lot. That uh, um, in my younger years, that school comes first, and that kind of set a foundation as I uh, progressed through my hockey career. And it's something that I've always um, you know kept as a priority uh, throughout any level of hockey that I've been playing. Um, and then in terms of you know how it. Uh, benefits me on the ice you know I think a lot of hockey is um, problem solving and you know kind of being able to read the game obviously at a high pace so if you're able to think quickly and and uh, problem solve quicker than uh, others on the ice um, you know it kind of gives you a a bit of an advantage and uh, you know you're kind of one step ahead of the play. You're well known around the OHL for being uh, quite a successful guy in the face-off dot uh more than 60% success in that area uh, last year, um, you know, and of course, faceoffs is such a key skill, uh, particularly for creating offense. Can you talk a bit about why you have focused so much on developing that skill in particular? And also you uh, you alluded this week to uh, also, even despite all of that, still picking up some tips from Jan Mishak along the way. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think the reason I really started to focus on that when I came to junior was, uh, just something that one of my assistant coaches said to me in Mississauga at the, at the start of the year. Um, I think even before my very first preseason game was just, uh, if you're good on faceoffs, it's going to lead to a lot more ice time. Um, you know, for late in the game up by one in our defensive zone, you're going to be taking that draw for down by one in the offensive zone, you're going to be taking that draw. And, you know, that kind of just stuck with me. And, um, and obviously even aside from that, um, it's, it's very important just to, to start with possession, um, all over the ice and in any situation. So, um, you know, as a centerman, that's, uh, that's something that's very important to me. And it's something that I've, uh, really just worked hard to, uh, to do. And, um, Obviously, uh, coming from the OHL, I've uh, taken a lot of faceoffs against uh, Mishak, and <laughs> I've uh, I've noticed he's uh, he's a pretty good faceoff uh, taker himself. So um, there is one skill in particular uh, that I wanted to pick up from um, pick up from his game, and uh, you know apply it to my game. And um, you know I was, I was pretty fortunate to uh, uh, for us to both uh, be in in the Habs organization, and um, you know kind of have access to him. Um, to learn from and, uh, and take, and kind of, uh, try and take that skill and apply it to my game. You know, it's, it's gotta be fun for you. Like you say, you know, you've, you're, you're well familiar with Jan Mishak, uh, and, and now you get to develop a different kind of chemistry with him, uh, being, being in the same uniform. Um, but what about, you know, we've, we've seen you this week already start to develop what seems to be some pretty, uh, decent chemistry with Emil Heinemann. Can you talk a bit about how that has developed so quickly between the two of you? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of tough to say. Um, we we're just kind of thrown together on a line day one, and uh, things have really clicked. I mean, um, it's 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 tough to put into words. Just we, we know where we're going to be on the ice, and uh, you know, we uh, we work well off each other uh, in all all over the ice. Really, I mean, um, yeah, it's uh, again, it's it's tough to it's tough to explain to you, but um, yeah, things have just worked out really well for us so far. When it works, it works, right? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> have 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 the coaches or management at all talked to you yet? And perhaps they haven't done that and won't do that perhaps until the end of rookie camp. But have have they given you any advice at all as to the things, the areas of your game that they'd like to see you really focus on improving in the upcoming season? Um, 
you know, not a not a ton. Um, you know, I think uh, I think they're really letting us just play our game here at uh, at rookie camp, and um, uh, you know, obviously our our coaches on the bench have mentioned things here and there, but uh, yeah, nothing nothing overall that they want to see a ton of improvement on. Um, you know, obviously I got a lot of feedback at the uh, at the combine, um, and I mentioned it earlier uh, in terms of the offensive uh, side of my game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a big thing for me this season that I want to improve on. Um, so that's, uh, that's come from a number of teams, uh, the, the Canadians included. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the one thing I'm focusing on, but in terms of, uh, hearing anything, uh, just here at rookie camp, uh, I'd have to say, I haven't really heard much. Well, we know we know it's well established that you're a good overall 200 foot player. It's got to feel good at least to uh, on the offensive side of things, be able to put up those uh, goal per game uh, statistics so far in this tournament to say, hey, don't worry, I've got the offense there as well. Um, you, you mentioned that that's a big goal for you and focus for this upcoming season. Just kind of as a as a final question, you know, is that your only is that your major focus for this upcoming season? Personal goals for yourself when you go back to Mississauga is to really drive up that offense. And and what ideas do you have on on ways to improve that area for yourself? Um, yeah, I'd say that's definitely my main focus going back to Mississauga. Obviously, I uh, I don't want to change anything in my game right now. Um, I just want to add to it. Um, and you know, if I can if I can add that offensive side of my game. Um, without, you know, sacrificing the 200 foot kind of defensive play uh, and everything else that I bring to the table, that would be uh, that would be the best case scenario. Um, and, you know, just ways ways of looking to improve on that is uh, really just slowing the game down in my head and, um, you know, just being able to uh, think a step or two ahead of everybody else. And, um, you know, just uh, <laughs> yeah, it's tough to explain, but I, I mean, um, yeah, just uh slow things down really and um just shoot more i guess you know (laughs) um just really really small things like that that uh that'll go a long ways yeah the small details always seem to compound into something a lot bigger yeah exactly well uh congratulations on such a successful tournament so far we can't uh we're, we're very excited to to see what you can do uh, this year with Mississauga, and I really appreciate you taking some time out to uh, to talk with us here at Rocket Sports Media today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Owen. That was a terrific interview. Uh, thanks for Amy. Uh, thanks to Amy for doing that. Thanks to Owen Beck for uh, sitting down and spending time uh, with us. An exclusive Rocket Sports interview uh, done with Amy. Um, Owen Beck is is very mature for his age. He's very well spoken. He's very smart, um, and he's also uh, been playing pretty well on the ice uh, uh, for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he was probably one of the most talked about guys coming out of the uh, 2022 Prospects Challenge. And uh, you know what? He's a great interview too. I listened. Uh, I enjoyed listening to that. And uh, thank you very much to both Amy and uh, Owen Beck for lending their time to this podcast. For sure. So I think now is a good time to take our final break on the Canadians Connection. Uh, We'll hear a a new message from our uh, sponsors at Raycon. Stay with us. This is Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of great 80s music on Spotify. Can you blame me? Sometimes the 80s just really sound great. It's really been fun. And one reason it's been great to listen to it is because I've been using my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. 
Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. Uh, now, with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, which my ears are always really difficult to get a custom snug fit for in-ear earbuds, and uh, Raycon's got such a wide variety, it's just perfect. These earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. They're priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Some of the things that I love about it, uh, there's customizable sound profiles. So whether you're listening to something like jazz that you really want a, a pure sound, they have a setting for that. If you're listening to some, some, some dance or some, you know, pop, hip hop, that kind of thing, you want something a little bassier, well, they have a setting for that as well. Uh, everything is controlled through tap functions right on the earbuds, whether it's moving a, a head or forward with your tracks or your volume control or what sound setting you want. There's also what they call an awareness mode uh, where you can press that and it allows some more sound from your environment to seep in so that you can still hear what's going on around you while you're listening to your favorite music or podcast or anything like that. Go to buyraycon.com today and use code THPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code THPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code THPN15. Welcome back to episode 210 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, please make sure you follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also check out our website, canadiansconnection.com. Uh, feel free to text us anytime on the Rocket Sports text line, 5853-ROCKET. Uh, we always love to hear from our listeners, so make sure if you have something you want to tell us, if you have any thoughts on what you just heard in this podcast, let us know. Send us a text. And uh, what, uh, what a great interview there with uh, Owen Beck. Uh, that was awesome that uh, he was able to join us there. For sure. And, and it's a good opportunity before he heads back uh, to the OHL, to junior hockey, and uh, to to um, ask him about his thoughts and, and his uh, progress so far in, in his development. He seems pretty, at well, he said uh, he's very happy with uh, how uh, the last couple of weeks have played out for him. And uh, like I said, it's uh, the Have Your Say segment, and uh, we will get to everyone's uh, thoughts and comments momentarily, along with our Canadians Connection Question of the Week. But uh, just so you know, obviously heading into uh, the Montreal Canadiens preseason and the season coming up pretty soon here, uh, we want to make sure that everyone is able to stay up to date as uh, there are plenty of things going on in Habs land. Uh, one of the best ways to do so is uh, head over to allhabs.net. Make sure uh, you check out uh, both uh, the Habs notepad and the Habs headlines that come out uh, throughout the week. Uh, Chris G works very hard on that notepad and he pretty well gives you everything that you need to know, even the things you didn't know that you needed to know. So make sure you check that out. 
also on YouTube every Thursday, uh, hosted by Amy Johnson. It's the Habs Hockey Report. Uh, this past episode is called Montreal Canadiens Trading Camp Begins. So make sure you head over to All Habs Magazine on YouTube. Hit like, hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Amy loves to do exclusive interviews with the Habs players and prospects. She's also great at interacting with uh, her viewers. Uh, if you leave her a comment, I can guarantee she'll respond back. And there's a good chance, too, that she'll uh, even read that on air. So make sure you check that out. Uh, you'll definitely enjoy that. And uh, we're, we're going to hammer home the point uh, because it's just before the season starts. We're going to ask you to uh, make sure that uh, you bookmark allhabs.net. Make sure that, that you follow uh, All Habs and Habs Connection on uh, social media. Make sure you go to our facebook.com slash allhabs page and, and like that page so that you can can get involved with other uh, Canadians fans and, and read their comments uh, and um, on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash all Habs. Make sure you're subscribed there. And while you're at it, make sure you subscribe to both the Canadians connection and the press zone on uh, your favorite podcasting app. Uh, this la- uh, this next week's uh, episode of the Press Zone is going to feature Amy Johnson, Rick Stevens, and Patrick, who are go- all going to do an AHL hot stove. You aren't going to want to miss out on that. Also, the Canadians Connection. Uh, we were here every Saturday throughout the summer. I know not everybody does that, but we were here. We were keeping you informed, and uh, we hope you guys stick around throughout uh, this Montreal Canadiens season. Uh, we'll continue to be here every single Saturday to keep you up to date. If you missed any episode, you can certainly go to allhabs.net, see any articles that you missed, uh, click the podcast tab and, and, and look through the player in the, the, the podcast you might have missed. Or you can simply go to canadiansconnection.fm and that is our podcast uh, account website uh, and it has all of our episodes there and you can go through um, and uh, and listen to to uh, anything you missed. Uh, we covered we covered it all over the summer to prepare you for the start of the season. We are recruiting. Join our Rocket Sports team. Uh, we've already had a couple of new recruits, but uh, anybody who's a passionate Habs fan, a passionate hockey fan, uh, if you enjoy writing podcasts, if you're some sort of creator, definitely send a, send us a message. Uh, we'd like to hear from you and. Uh, we're going to be looking for all sorts of awesome people to help contribute to uh, this Montreal Canadian season. I spoke to a few more uh, people this week and uh, we'll be having some announcements coming out. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, those that we have added are already hard at work. Gustav had his, his first article out uh, and it was a good one about Yuri Slavkovsky. You're not going to want to miss that allhabs.net and look for the Slavkovsky article. And, uh, I know that Gustav is busy uh, writing another article and that will come out uh, this week. So looking forward to both of those and uh, check it out if you haven't already. So now I think it's a good time to do our Canadians Connection question of the week. So relating back to uh, what you just heard in segment two, who will be the backup to Jake Allen, Sam Montembeau or Caden Primo? We want to make sure that we hear from you. Uh, we, I had a text um, at 5853 Rockets saying uh, that uh, he believes that um, Kent Hughes is going to go out and 
and, and uh, secure a goalie of the future um, early in the season. So do you feel that? Or do you feel that uh, they're going to go ahead, that they're going to make that set? You know, we've heard about the negotiations with Jake Allen. Uh, are they going to sign Jake Allen to a multi-year contract? And then who is going to be his backup? As we talked about, Primo, Montembeau, we want to hear your choice. Yeah, those are both guys on one-way contracts, so let us know what your thoughts are. We have some uh, upcoming important dates for the Montreal Canadiens, and they are as early as tomorrow, September the 25th. It's the red versus white inter-squad scrimmage at 3 p.m. Uh, like I mentioned in segment one, still tickets available if you're interested in uh, going to that at uh, Bell Center. Uh, they're just $10 if you want to go to that. Then on uh, Monday, September the 26th, it's the first game of the preseason, New Jersey versus Montreal. It could be uh, picks uh, one versus picks two, uh, Slavkovsky versus Nemitz. So make sure you tune into that. And then on the 28th, Montreal versus Toronto, 7 p.m. That's the second game of the preseason. Scotiabank. Uh, <laughs> Scotiabank. Montreal versus Toronto is always a great thing to watch in the preseason. And uh, hopefully Toronto doesn't win because I know Leaf fans already plan the p- cup cr- parade as soon as they win a game <laughs> in the preseason. <laughs> and uh, the day after that, uh, on the 29th, it's uh, Winnipeg versus Montreal. That's back at home, 7 p.m. It's uh, a busy preseason schedule. You're going to see all kinds of different lineups, different line combinations, different defense pairings. Uh, it's an opportunity uh, to evaluate the players, uh, look for chemistry, but find out who's going to be on that opening uh, night roster. Um, and it's already happening this coming week. And uh, we'll go and take a look at September the 28th. That's going to be the 50th anniversary of Canada's win over Russia in the 1972 Summit Series. Um, Can't believe it's uh, already been 50 years. Obviously, I I wasn't around for that, but uh, I've watched plenty of films, read plenty of books on this, and uh, just what uh, an amazing series that was. Uh, A a series that changed hockey uh, and changed hockey uh, across the world in Canada, in the Soviet union and, and beyond uh, it, it changed uh, it changed, it, it had uh, political effects uh, and, and on the cold war um, it was a monumental series and, uh, uh, and 50 years. And we said that uh, there's been a number of, of tributes coming up um, as, uh, as we begin closer to the, the date of the final game, game eight, uh, that remarkable uh, goal by Paul Henderson and, and uh, with Team Canada uh, getting the win. Um, spectacular. And uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, mentioning it again next week on the podcast. And uh, before we wrap up today, uh, we just want to send out our thoughts and prayers to all the good folks out in Nova Scotia, uh, getting hit pretty hard uh, with a pretty nasty storm last night on Friday. Uh, I've got some friends and family out there that uh, currently without power had a little bit of destruction to the property. So we want to make sure that uh, everyone in Nova Scotia knows that we're uh, thinking about them. Yeah, and it's uh, it's all of Atlantic Canada that's been affected, uh, PEI, Nova Scotia. Uh, into New Brunswick. Um, the Maritimes have been hit hard by Hurricane Fiona. The, the winds, uh, the storm surge, 
the power outages, we heard that a half a million people are with, uh, half a million households are, are without power. Uh, we know that uh, even some of the listeners uh, of this broadcast have been evacuated from, from their homes. So uh, a, t- a terrible situation. Uh, we just want you to know that our hearts are with you and, and uh, please stay safe and, uh, and, and uh, so you can get through this uh, unhurt. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for taking the time to listen. Please make sure you subscribe to Canadians Connection in the player on your favorite podcast app. Uh, Share on social media as well if you liked what you heard. Enjoy your week. We will be back here next Saturday, October the 1st already. Can't believe it. Uh, It's going to be another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.